another white boy with a podcast. Pronouns, Jim Bro, another white boy with a podcast. Do you want to see the video? It went viral. Hi, Gains Gurus, and welcome to TMGP, the Muscle Growth Podcast, Episode 7. I am your host, Roscoe, and today we are welcoming biohacker, health guru, and sleep specialist, Riley Jarvis, onto the show. Riley is a sleep consultant who has helped high performers achieve more out of their personal and work life using cutting-edge scientific lab testing, strategies, and techniques. With only so many waking hours in the day, the quality of hours sleeping is what can make the difference between peak performance and functioning at a fraction of your true potential. Currently residing in Vancouver, Canada, Riley spends most of his time in the outdoors hiking, snowboarding, and finding the next exciting adventure. Inside the sleep lab, he enjoys reading the latest sleep intel, collaborating with other thought leaders, and helping clients get life-changing results. Riley is also a qualified health coach for peak performance and flow, and a qualified sleep consultant coach at thesleepconsultant.com. In today's episode, we can look forward to advice about supplements for energy, focus, sleeping aids, general health and hormone supplements, tips on sleep, discussions about health, the importance of sleep, and biohacking through the use of cutting-edge science and medicine. Given that brief glimpse into Riley's extraordinary expertise, let's jump right into the show. Hi, Riley. Hey, Raskov. I'm doing pretty good, thanks. No complaints. A little cold here up in Canada. How about yourself? Yeah, no, I'm doing well, thanks. I actually had a bit of a stunt with COVID recently, yeah. so glad to be past that. Now. Like earlier this year, you had it? Yeah. Yeah, so it was a great oh, start. Oh, yeah. yeah, the ultimate test. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Roll into 2024, right? Exactly. So it's only up yeah. here, hopefully. So Riley, can you tell me about yourself? You're a sleep consultant, uh, a biohacker, and a sleep specialist. Can you give me a brief introduction to yourself? Yeah, you bet. So uh, sleep consultant, been doing this the last seven, eight years now. Uh, My background, yeah, biohacker. You know, I had Crohn's disease, and we could talk about this. And it was kind of um, discovering biology myself uh, because I had a business background, but then I completely switched education paths. Woods become a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and a bunch of other things. And then, um, yeah, it was from there just really helping uh, people with not only their sleep, but also with their performance, their energy, their focus, their longevity, their recovery, in particular for muscle growth. How do we grow more muscle in a shorter period of time? Period of time? How do we get more muscle with less effort? And a lot of it comes down to recovery. So we can touch on all of this, but that was a big thing for me that um, I realized that we can kind of hack this reality in a way that is a lot more efficient and faster and less effort than we think is possible. And when we're able to do so, our new reality becomes a pretty interesting place. Wow, that's phenomenal. Can you talk about that new reality? Yeah, sure. So it's something that I call um, the effortless experience. And so what this is basically is we can think of our bodies like a car and, you know, everybody knows what a good car sounds like or what it runs like. And well, one that doesn't sound re- well runs like, so you have a car from the 1980s first, mm-hmm. you know, now you fast forward to today, that's going to be a car that's, you know, not running so well. If someone didn't take very good care of it, it's going to be burning through fuel very inefficiently. It's not going to sound that great. It's going to f- sound like something's under the hood of your car that shouldn't be there compared to a car today where, you know, 
let's say you just brought a brand new one off the lot, it's going to be very efficient. It's going to be running well, and it's going to have a lot of horsepower, whatever that is. And our bodies are in a lot of the same way, that sense. So if we're able to optimize our bodies to run more efficiently, for example, our hormones are optimized, our immune system's functioning well, our brain neurotransmitters, our abilities, all the systems in our body can communicate with each other extremely efficiently. Once that happens, then like we combine all those things together in, in terms of how we perceive the world. And when it's more efficient, we perceive the world, you know, it's just easier. Like we know, just as an example, what a good sleep feels like when we're firing in all cylinders and what one does not feel like two or four, you know, we sleep two or four hours. We're going to have to exert so much more energy and force to just get through that day or lift weights in that workout session compared to it's just a lot more effortless if we can do it and our body's functioning well. But there's, you know, we can get into hacks. How do we sleep less time and kind of get the same results, not through, you know, something that's maybe sustainable and everything that goes along with it. So um, that's kind of what the effortless experience is, is all about and that kind of new reality, how you can experience it too. That's very interesting. And I'm so excited to get into the hacks of sleep and how many hours you think are optimal to sleep and how it differs from person to person. And then I'd also like to chat to you a little bit about some of the sleep uh, evidence and the state of the science for, for different sleep and how they do the studies and how they structure them and your opinions on them and if there's lots of studies or what the state of the evidence is. Look forward to it. How did, so you mentioned that you had Crohn's disease, is that yes. correct? Going back about 10 years ago. So, and you don't have that anymore or do you manage the symptoms or I don't know anything about Sure. Sleep. Yeah. So for listeners, it's basically an autoimmune condition that's inside of the stomach and there's a big range. And what it does is it causes inflammation of the tissue inside. Now for some people, they have to get like part of their colon or stomach extracted because the inflammation is so bad. They have to be put on steroids or medication sometimes for the rest of their lives to keep that, you know, stuff down. But our immune system, which most is located inside of our gut, can kind of control things. So, for example, like somebody has an allergy to like anaphylactic shock to, um, you know, peanuts or seafood or something. That's an extreme case. And then you have stuff that's more systemic like colitis, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, like irritable bowel disease, shingles, um, you know, different conditions like this can manifest for everyone. And those kind of conditions can be genetic. And then, you know, you might have the gene for that, but never express in your lifetime. Other people may express the, the you know, have that gene expressed. And for me, it was under circumstances of severe stress that I think what triggered it for me, it set me down a whole path of medication, wasn't working for me. And I really had to take health into my own hands. So fortunately for me, I didn't have to get my colon or anything else removed. There was a big range there. Fortunately, I was probably on the moderate mild side of things, uh, but it was definitely impacting my day to day. Like I couldn't think, I couldn't function. I was lying in bed all day some days. So it was at that point I had to kind of build everything up and um, from that point, figure out how does our body actually work? Like instead of just listening to what people tell us based on first principles, like Elon Musk talks about, keep asking why and keep going down that rabbit hole of why and we're able to do so then uh, we start finding answers and, you know, you, you kind of work on your critical thinking and then you mastermind with other people. This worked for them. That didn't work for them. Spending tons of money, tens of thousands of dollars on private doctors where my regular conventional family doctor couldn't give me any answers. And it was a very interesting journey. And through that process, I learned a ton. 
Um, and then I realized this is truly what I wanted to do. So instead of looking at spreadsheets all day in finance, um, truly helping people's lives, fast forwarding to today. But, um, you know, looking back, it, it is a blessing in disguise for sure. Wow. And can you talk a little bit about that process of going from your family, I think you mentioned your family doctor to more specialized doctors, and then going from that to your own research and that kind of journey and how that uh, sure. So I was working in finance, I was putting a ton of hours in, 10, 12, sometimes felt like 16 hours a day, and I'm burning the candle on all ends. And prior to that, I was a pretty high-performing or functioning individual. And then all of a sudden, stuff starts to go downhill. I started getting brain fog. I was tired all the time, even though I thought I was sleeping okay. Needed tons of coffee. Just all these things that I wasn't used to, it was like, what is going wrong with my body? And uh, went to the regular doctor, family doctor, they ran a bunch of blood tests, you know, stuff like low, but they weren't looking at the right biomarkers. So it ended up like going to the hormone specialist, going to this specialist and that specialist. And then finally went to the gastroenterologist, which is kind of like a stomach specialist. So they could put like a scope down your throat or, you know, up the other way. And they look for inflammation in your, um, inflammation in your, with via tube, inflammation inside of your gut called colonoscopy and that's what they did on me and they saw that there was quite a bit of inflammation there and uh after that they gave, said okay here's here's medication here's pregnisone here's other steroids that you can take to basically suppress your immune system so your body doesn't react but when your immune system is suppressed it's much easier to get sick so people may have heard like you know if anyone had an autoimmune condition taking this the steroids then um, during play times like COVID and stuff like that, you had to be very careful because that would weaken your immune system and you had to be extra careful. So it was at that point that um, the medication that they were giving me was making my cheeks extremely puffy. It was giving me anxiety. I was shaking all the time. I didn't feel like myself. Um, in fact, in some ways, I sort of felt worse than I did before, if not sort of the same. So I was like, and they're like, well, just wait a few weeks for it to work and everything like that, which I did. Um, but it just sent me down a deep, a deep, uh, kind of frustrating place um, where I just kind of felt depressed for a good period of time. Uh, there was a period of time where I took SSRIs, antidepressants, and I tried it for four weeks. That put me completely numb to everything. And I knew this was not for me because I realized my own genius and everything coming from it was, I guess it was kind of that, you know, to tap into a zone, which is not planet, a zone that's able to focus and everything else like that. And they said, you know, just try it for a little bit longer, a little bit more. And my brain, I remember at the time to like read one paragraph that was like three or four sentences to read it and have cognitive fluency of it took me like three, like four minutes to understand it. Like my processing was so slow and I felt like a walking robot, um, completely separate from the world. And so I realized I just have to get off all this stuff and find a solution that actually works for me. And so that's where it, you know, I was so emotionally determined to figure that out. And so I had a ton of hours at my disposal. And I was like, okay, maybe if I could, so I had to, I had to leave my job and I just had to purely focus on my health. Cause I realized if I did that, then the job and everything else could come, but that was my number one priority. So sometimes laying bedridden, um, you know, just researching for hours upon hours a day, taking notes, kind of coming up with my own model of health. Again, this was all self, you know, just sort of determined and, uh, figuring out how does each system work. So then one month I was like, okay, first month I'm going to decide, supplements. Next month I'm going to do like exercise. I'll make it the focus. Next month I'll do sleep. Once I got to that sleep month, all of a sudden it wasn't an overnight process, but very quickly over time, 
uh, everything started to improve. Like my weight that I lost was coming back. Um, so my blood markers were improving. My energy was coming back. My body didn't feel the stressed anymore. And I realized that my sleep quality, the more I was trying to understand this stuff, and we didn't really have sleep trackers like we do now with the aura ring and everything back then. I realized that um, sleep was a massive part of it and in my healing journey. And I think there was stress involved or my body was just in this catabolic breaking down state that I could never fully heal or fully recover. And I realized how important sleep was to this and whole entire process. If we don't have that, what does do it to our hormones, our immune system and everything. So once I fixed that, of course, with the supplements and the exercise and everything else, everything else started to improve. Um, one year later, kind of put into complete remission and sure I might have like, that'll still be there, but up until now, it like rarely comes back. Like it's a fraction of a fraction of percent compared to what it used to be. And, um, I can live like a pretty fairly good lifestyle, of course, restricting certain unhealthy foods and stuff like that. But compared to where I was and being able to do it naturally and then learning all that in the process, new education, everything else, um, it allowed me then to help other people because what I had gone through, I really didn't wish it upon my worst enemy. So it kind of, um, it wanted me to coach other people within this area, whether they were at the time, they were kind of in this not maybe disease state. Now it's a lot more of the high functioning, high performance, but that was something that really resonated with me. And I thought, Hmm, am I going to help people with like Crohn's kind of similar to me? And I realized I wanted to do just sleep in general because a lot of people know stuff about nutrition or there's a nutritionist or exercise and a personal trainer, but how many like sleep specialists are there? And also if you think of just low hanging fruit, like if you go to the gym, that can take a lot of time to, um, and a lot of effort. You try a new diet, got to go to the grocery store, get the food, prepare the food, everything else. That's kind of effort too. But with sleep, we can just make a few couple tweaks, a few low hanging fruit, and you can see ROI increases of like 40, 60% in a matter of weeks for some people. So it's, it's so easy to do. Sometimes you just have to make the change once and you're good to go and you'll feel its impacts for a very long time. Sure. That's such a cool journey, and I'm really excited to hear more about that. So in terms of Crohn's disease, you mentioned it's an autoimmune disease. So is that an autoimmune disease that attacks the brain and the body? Yeah, so it's interesting, our immune system, because it, it affects the entire body, our immune system, like our lymph nodes and everything else. But in particular with this one, it's the gut. So you would see tissue of the gut, like if you were to look in the colonoscopy or inside our small intestines or the terminus ileum and like the colon area, you would see those areas are inflamed. Now the difference between like Crohn's and like, um, uh, colitis or, uh, uh, uh what's it called? It, one colitis is closer to like the rectum area and Crohn's you have, which is higher up, um, which is kind of close to like the more intestines kind of more in the center of our stomach. So they're pretty much that same disease in that way. It's just the location of where they're located is different, but yeah, in a way it does affect the brain. Cause when the gut is more inflamed, you're more sensitive overall, your immune system to just things in general. So for example, like a food sensitivity or, you know, whatever somebody's exposed to can really set their immune system off where somebody else, they'll be exposed to the exact same thing, but they won't have that reaction at all. And they can tolerate a lot of that one thing. So that's just a big difference with some people that do have it. But if you're able to manage it the right way and manage your environment, you could have, you know, the same genetics to someone who didn't even have Crohn's in the first place, which is really interesting. You can turn the good genes on, turn the bad genes off. 
is, is that a process known as epigenet epigenetics? Yes, correct. So epi in Greek is on top of. So you can think of like genes on top of your genes. So we have our hardwiring genes, but we also have our genes and how they express themselves. So if we expose our environment to um, in a way that turns the good genes on, so for example, like good diet, lifestyle, and everything else like that, our good genes will express themselves. And then in essence, we can turn those bad genes off. The reverse is also true. If we're sedentary, we don't move, our bodies are highly inflamed, you're going to put the needle more in the odds of turning those bad genes on and those good genes off in extreme cases for people that can be, you know, diabetes, heart disease, forms of cancer, and things like that. But even stuff, you know, day to day, like sore joints, um, inflammation in the body, brain fog, anything like that. So you have the disease state, which is on the extreme, like out of 10, let's say it's like a one. But then if you're trying to hit like peak performance, maybe 10 out of 10, 9 out of 10, even like if, if you're if you have anything, these things happening, maybe you're just a five or a six, everything's okay. You're never going to be hitting those states of peak performance just because your environment's not on point. So we, we want all the odds in our favor as much as possible. And to do that, what we need to do is ensure that the, uh, not just genes, but everything in our body is working as it should, as efficiently as it should, and as one full unit instead of all these separate cogs happening at different times. And how long would you say, uh, I'm sure it probably differs person to person and on an individual basis, but how long on average would you say like an epigenetic change could take, like to turn your good genes on, to turn your bad mm -hmm. genes off? How long would that process take? Is it like weeks, months, years? How like ballpark it for, for an average person? Yeah, I would say for, I think weeks would be too short for some people. You can definitely notice those changes. But for example, for me with... I would say like several months to maybe a couple of years would be my guess to do it. In terms of the exact science and the scientific studies, I haven't seen one of those in a while, so I don't know the exact time. So I'm guessing here, but that would be my estimate. And in terms of its permanence, how long would these changes last? Say you, you do all the things right, and then you get these good genes and you get rid of the bad genes. How long, like how permanent is that? And then how long would you have to have bad in, in a bad environment for it to kind of go the other way? Would you say again, years, or would it actually deteriorate much more quickly than it took to, to turn the good ones on uh, and go and push the needle in the correct direction? I think it would go worse faster like if you if you're if you were pretty stable, everything was okay, and now you start introducing very bad things with your diet, high sugar, high inflammatory foods, your body's in a flame state. I think you can point the needle in that direction, probably in a matter of weeks for some people. But it's interesting too, right? Because then it's the question, you know, do our genetics have kind of a muscle memory? Because it's it's kind of like when we build muscle, we build muscle, we have that muscle memory. Let's say we lose it all. For us to regain that muscle is going to be faster had than had we not you know, done the work it or build that muscle in the first place at all. So then if you go to the bad side, uh, in terms of that, now you're a place you don't want to be, could you get there faster with the good environment again? It's a pretty good question. I don't know the answer on that, but I'm sure you could. And that would be quite, in that would be such a super cool, interesting study to know whether if you have good things and then it goes bad, if you can get it back to good quickly, if your baseline is good, and also the inverse of that, if your baseline's bad, and then if you go to good, if it goes back to baseline quickly, that would be quite a cool totally. study yeah. to do.
We'll start now. I just wanted to congratulate. Sorry. Start now. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I just wanted to congratulate you on on going to remission and and learning how to overcome uh, the Crohn's and thrive on it. So well well done on that. Oh, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Yeah, that's awesome. And you mentioned something super important that health is number one. Like health is more important than literally everything. It's more important than money. It's more important than you're basically if you don't have health, you have nothing. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's that's the way it is. Yeah. And a lot of people will sacrifice their health for, for work, like you were doing, for example. And like many, many, many millions, if not billions of people do. Um, and it's sad that we are forced to do that in this current society and that being so challenging and uh, people don't, uh, especially bosses, I mm -hmm. think, uh, don't see health as that important because if you're sick, you're not, uh, not making money. So then just... Yeah, don't don't be sick in their eyes, I guess. But anyway, hopefully we can change that paradigm. Yeah, totally. You know, everyone sees it through a productivity lens. We'll get into all this, but when you start working on your health first, productivity improves, focus improves, energy improves, and all these things, and you actually get more done in less time. It doesn't feel like it on the front end, but on the medium end and the back end, so much more. Long term long term gains. That's right. Yeah. It's kind of like investing, right? You know, you have to think long-term with the market, long-term, think the next five years, 10 years, one year, not just tomorrow or this week or what tastes good or feels good or what my reptilian impulses might tell me now. Reptilian. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. That must have come from the epigenetics there. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But, you know, it's kind of like we have our different parts of our brain, right, that are more evolved, ones that are kind of more, you know, reptilian. I feel hungry now. I feel mad now versus you know, states of meditation or the higher self or whatever you want to call it, where you can enter these new states of flow and energy and everything else. So it's kind of that paradigm of like, do we let our hormones and bad, um, you know, gut bacteria or yeast overgrowth dictate how we live our lives? Or do we have true control over our lives? And again, like it's another philosophical question. I remember Sam, um, uh, Harry Harris wrote the book about free will, right? So do we truly have it? Well, it's hard to say, but if we can put the needle again in our direction as much as we can, even considering like all distractions that we have and everything else and just the, the mind chatter and the 70,000 thoughts on average that the, that the human being has, how much of those can we put in our favor through our true intentions that we want to live the best possible lives and become the best possible version of ourselves? Um, you know, even doing all this stuff, it's difficult enough, let alone your body's inflamed, but, you know, brain fog and everything. It's nearly impossible to to get our goals done or what we hope to achieve. Yeah, the body is an absolutely incredibly complicated machine that I don't think anyone has fully worked out yet. But I think that that's a large part of biohacking, which is something that you and I are very interested in. I think that that's kind of what the biohackers are hoping to achieve is some kind of blueprint to manage this machine yep. of the human body totally you mentioned supplements that you started on supplements and things like that was that purely for um trying to manage the uh, crohn's disease or was that um trying to improve your uh, other parts of your body and um mind it's a good question it was probably definitely both i always had a natural interest in health and biohacking you know back then 
the two guys only talking about supplements and, and biohacking a little bit was Dave Asprey from, from Bulletproof. He started that a long time ago. And they also had Tim Ferriss as well. So like Tim Ferriss started the book, The 4-Hour Workweek, I think it was 2007. I think The 4-Hour Body came a couple or a few years after that. And it was just through these things like The 4-Hour Week, like, wow, there's another place, like another way we can live the world, especially during that era. And then the four-hour body, wow, interesting. It's not just, you know, what the government tells us about the food pyramid of to eat these foods. We can actually use food to hack our bodies to achieve the circumstances that we want in a faster and more effortless way. So it was, when I took the supplements, one, it was for biohacking. Like, how do I get more energy? How do I get more brain fog? How do I do this? But at the same time, it was, how do I get rid of this Crohn's all at the same time? And so one part of the supplements was kind of surface level, like, how do I just improve energy? Well, to improve energy, you can take like PQQ, um, you know, stuff for the mitochondria, B vitamins and such like this. And that's good. But what was really preventing me from having energy was my immune system, which is shot and causing all this inflammation. And that's like when you feel sick and you have no energy, that's really your immune system, but just to the extreme. So the other part was, well, how do I reduce the inflammation? Well, you can take curcumin, you can take fish oil, high dose. And that was definitely working, but the root cause of that even more was the foods I was eating, the stress I felt like I was under, um, my thoughts each day. These all just combined into one thing that really set things off. And then as I had to go back to first principles and learn about them, become aware of them, and only then was able to fix them. Absolutely. You make a good point about you were taking the supplements and the help and whatnot, but actually you had to address the root cause, which was the inflammation, yeah. the poor, the maybe not great sleep, the stress, those kind of things. But while on supplements, I know that in our um, preview kind of uh, topic discussion, we discussed a lot of supplements. Can we go over the ones that you think are the most beneficial for various things, whether it be mm. energy, whether it be cognition, whether it be muscle growth? What are your favorite supplements that you can just go as quickly as possible because i know there's so many that we that we've mentioned and i'll probably add a few sure you bet so uh i would so i'll just start general like case by case maintenance what do our bodies need the most i would say fish oil you're gonna have vitamin d you're gonna have magnesium you're gonna have um magnesium fish oil uh you're probably gonna want a b so which kind of magnesium so there's several different kinds. Like there's so many different kinds. Yeah. So yeah. I think which one or which few? Yeah, glyce magnesium glycinate and malate are probably going to be your top ones. Magnesium threonate is the only magnesium that passes the blood-brain barrier. So if someone has anxiety or wants that mental ease, magnesium threonate is the best. Also the most expensive. The uh, glycinate and malate are kind of the most bioavailable, absorbable, and they have a lot of impacts on the body. But once, for example, like citrate, that's more for like diarrhea. If you have, or sorry, if you have constipation, you would take that. Not as, you know, it just depends on what the tool is you're using. But the uh, magnesium called uh, magnesium, magnesium breakthrough by the company called Bioptimizers has all seven forms of magnesium. So that's probably the best one that you can get um, for that one. That's magnesium. And then the other one I would say is just a general B-complex vitamin, methylated. So you're getting all of your energy there. Those are kind of the main ones I would say. A multivitamin for sure, but you have to be careful what you take because there's just so much junk out there. You always want to make sure the company you do with supplements is pharmaceutical grade or third-party tested because um, this, this industry is really not regulated in a lot of ways and there's a lot of stuff going on. 
The next one is, okay, let's just hit them one by one. So let's say energy. Somebody wants better energy. I would say um, you can go with, again, there'll be some overlap here, but B vitamins will be energy. Number two, if you want kind of mental energy, um, that's going to be something like PQQ. You can also go with uh, coenzyme Q10 is another really good one. You can go with uh, methyl... If somebody has methylation issues, which we can get into, um, methylfolate is very important for energy, the methylation process for energy. So those are just quick ones there that people can use. There's definitely a lot more. In terms of focus, we can look at L-tyrosine, which is precursor for dopamine. We can look at, you know, nootropics, like you want paracetam, aniracetam, um, no peps. The, you know, there's just ones you can go down there. A really good brand for that is called uh, Nootropia, so N-O-O and then Tropia, I think it's .com. They make some of the best ones. And you can also go with um, Alpha Brain is also another one that you can use and it contains a lot of other nutrients that are inside of there. Alpha GBC, Huberzine A for your memory focus. These are all very good. Um, let's go into sleep. So for sleep supplements, you can supplement, obviously, uh, melatonin is one, but super low dose we can go into. You can also do L-theanine to feel more relaxed, pharmagaba to feel relaxed. You can use uh, certain forms of like herbal teas, like lemon balm, um, holy basil tea is very good, valerian root, um, and then you get to like adaption in herbs, so like ashwagandha is probably a good one to relax the body. Again, making sure it's a good grade. Those are probably good ones for sleep. General stress, there'll be some overlap here, but the same ones like it, you have to figure out, is it mind stress or is it body stress? If it's coming from the body, you probably want to do something that's more herbal based. So it could be like if it's in daytime stress, um, you could probably do like rhodiola or holy basil, or you could do uh, Siberian ginseng. You could do Eleuthero, which is kind of the same thing. There, there's many kind of forms of ginseng, which I highly recommend people look into. You have Korean ginseng, American ginseng, Siberia, like Russia, all over the world. Um, you can also look at um, different things. For example, like supplements um, could be... Um, yeah, turmeric kind of has an indirect effect with, with kind of some of this and helping feel relaxed, but those would probably be the biggest ones for there, I'd say. And uh, things like testosterone, muscle growth, what would you, what supplements would you use? I know ashwagandha is really good. Yeah. Been proven for testosterone. Yes. And so indirectly, we want our cortisol or stress hormone to be low as much as possible. Obviously, we want to follow our rhythms throughout the daytime, but if it's too high, this is going to negatively impact our testosterone. So ashwagandha is very good to bring that down. All these other supplements to reduce stress, those are secondary. But the primary ones, one number one is probably going to be Tonkata Lee, making sure that's a good source. The second one is probably going to be um, Fadoja. Um, that's been one that's been around. Uh, there's another one called uh, Tercosterone. Now, the last two, Fadoja and Tercosterone, there is some questioning whether are they truly safe. And it's hard to say. Um, there's still some studies going on with it. Um, however, Tonkatalee and the other one that I didn't mention is Tribulus. They can be pretty good as um, not, you know, ones that are a little bit more on the natural side. Sure. No, absolutely. And I, I've looked into all of those ones that you mentioned now. Um, 
I didn't find really good data supporting the Fedosia agrestis, mm. but I found really good evidence supporting the Tomcat and the Ashwagandha. Yeah, they're big. Um, some of those other ones, Tribulus, I also struggled finding um, finding good increases in testosterone from that, even though it's been claimed that testis Tribulus uh, has really good um impacts on your on your testosterone i could only find studies that showed that it increased libido mm -hmm. which doesn't necessarily mean that it increased testosterone um i was wondering can we go through dosing on all the i know sure. like there's so many that we've just gone through but can we go through dosing because i think that getting the dosing from an expert like yourself would be really useful on top of getting the you know these amazing supplements sure that will work and help people sure we definitely can so we want to go through each of the ones i mentioned i could just hit off the dose for each let's month. do it let's do it Let, let's give value let's go okay so starting from the top let's say vitamin d vitamin d we want 1000 ius for every 25 pounds of body weight that we weigh so if we weigh 100 pounds that's 4000 iu the best vitamin d drops are going to be or, or well, drops there you go the reason why is because it goes directly into our bloodstream from our tongue our mouth opposed to having to take the capsules that go into our stomach and everything else um so that's the general rule now for vitamin d if it's too low that can cause issues generally though we want between like 60 to 80 um i think it's nanograms ng slash dl is the measurement i believe i might need to to be corrected on that, but I'm pretty sure that's it. That's kind of the sweet spot that we could be in. If you're over 100, then that's definitely the red zone. You want to taper it back. All you need to do is just don't take as much. Um, fish oil, I would take two to three grams of fish oil per day. Uh, for B-complex, I would take just two or three capsules per day, um, making sure that you know it's methylated, good company form. Um, magnesium, you can take upwards of two to three, even six capsules per day. Along that same side, um, as a general one, you can take vitamin C of, you know, two to three grams daily. And again, like some of this stuff can really interact with other medications. So have, people have to be very careful to talk with their doctor with all that stuff. Just putting that in as a disclaimer. Let's go to the next one. So energy. Um, B vitamins, like I mentioned before. Uh, PQQ, it's kind of a more advanced form of coenzyme Q10. I would say with that, you can take two to three per day. Side effects from this, though, you might get a headache, feel a bit more energized or too energized, feel not so much of a caffeine feeling, but you might get a slight headache. And then you know at that point you can dial it back a little bit more. Um, the other ones for energy that you can use, um, for example, you can... You can do, um, I'll touch on the other ones and I'll come back to this one because there's some overlap here. But next, let's go for focus. So L-tyrosine, we can take anywhere between, I would say 1,000 to 3,000 uh, milligrams for two to three grams, one to three grams per day. If we take too much L-tyrosine, it's a precursor, like I said, to dopamine. We'll actually get you know, too agitated or we might get a headache. We might have strain within our eyes. The one thing we want to watch out for for tyrosine, though, is we want to take a 10 to 1 ratio with tyrosine and 5-HTP. 5-HTP is a precursor to serotonin, which goes into melatonin. And if we take too much tyrosine, they kind of bounce with each other. We kind of want that ratio to be quite even. So an example would be for every 1,000 milligrams we take of tyrosine, we would want to take 100 milligrams of 5-HTP or one milligram one gram of L-tyrosine would be, you know, point, you know, 
0.1 milligrams of 0.1 grams of 5-HTP. So that's what people want to be careful of. Um, now, all this other stuff in terms of nootropics, you can take, there's a wide range of, of measuring this stuff, but you usually want to take the lowest dose. I think paracetam, it was like, um, usually you want to weigh some of this stuff. Generally, they'll come in capsules. You, you just take one or two capsules on envy stomach and aracetam is the same thing. We typically want to take those with a fat, you know, soluble. So whether we have it with like avocado or nuts, an egg, something like that can really help the absorption process. Things like after or um, um, alpha brain are really good. Um, we take like one or two of those. I think the dosing is that per day. And that will be really good for people to start off with. The next one for stress. Sorry, was there something you were going to say? So I was just going to say these dosings, are these for an average male or an average human or like, is, is it going to be different for a man and a female or male or female? Or is it, is it kind of, and these are again, just guidelines. Um, but would you say that, that men and women should take the same amount or different? So it'll be different based on one, how big is the person? And two, there's tiny people who can tolerate an extremely high dose of some of these things. So like, it's going to depend on the receptors in somebody's brain, their hormone levels, what they were before. And so that's where it's good to give a range, like one to three or four capsules, whether you take it with food or in your stomach, try it and see how it works for you. Because you know, at that point, once you set a baseline, do I take more or do I take less? It's really hard to determine, you know, it's just a cookie cutter approach it wouldn't be accurate. So you want to try and see what works best for you. Try, you know, one capsule, you know, a day for the next three, four days. How do you react? Didn't feel any at all? Okay, try two. Also just looking at seeing what the bottle says. It's generally good for the recommendations. With most of these natural ones, you can go slightly above, not too high above, but slightly above to see benefit. And you can do it for a period of time. If you take a high enough dose for too long or you don't cycle some of these things, you can start to, you know, um, built decent size, built the tolerance or it doesn't work as well with you. So not all of them, but some of them, you know, you might want to go on three weeks on, one week off, or a couple months on, one or two weeks off, et cetera. Okay. Next, Thanks. Sorry to Yeah, no worries. Sorry. Um the next one's stress. So for rhodiola, I would say you want to do about one to two capsules in the morning or the afternoon. And again, making sure it's a really good brand. I like Gaia herbs. They're quite good. The next one is ashwagandha. So that's better around the evening time, late afternoon, before bed. Again, one to two capsules with this one. Um, for also relaxation, 5-HTP is good for relaxing more of the mind before bed. With this one, you know, anywhere between 100 to 300 milligrams is usually a good sweet spot. With 5-HTP, you have to be very careful if you're taking... Um, St. John's wort or any antidepressants, this can potentially lead to serotonin syndrome. So you got to be extremely careful because uh, too much serotonin can be a bad thing in the brain. It's a regulator temperature and everything else like that. Um, those would be some of the big ones for stress. And then for sleep, melatonin between 0.2 and 3 milligrams will be good. For um, L-theanine, chewable capsules, it's chewable tablets rather, I would say, you know, taking two or three of those at a time. So it works out to about two or 300 milligrams. And then the Pharmagaba is kind of the same thing, making sure those are chewable, anywhere between two and three. And then in terms of teas, like one or two cups before you go to sleep, one, you know, one tea bag, keep it in there. You can refill that once or twice. 
um, that's quite relaxing. And teas are really good because a lot of these herbs, when we once we heat them up, a lot of those properties will actually, like from the heat, it'll cause it to um, really go into the water and to kind of um, excrete a lot of those nutrients a lot more efficiently than if we just had it in, you know, herbal herbal capsule dry form. So that's another good one too. And they seem to be a little bit more gentle to use, but equally, if you can just adopt it, it's not, and again, with all this, it's not about just doing one big, like, okay, this Sunday, I'm going to take all these supplements. It's just doing a little bit at a time. Don't take all these supplements at once. You really have to be a scientist with it. And what do scientists do? They isolate one variable. They try this thing. They have a control. Does this work? Does it not work? You know, and if you can journal your results um, along the way, even better, then you know, you know, we forget what we ate for breakfast three days ago. So if you, you're able to see in a journal, okay, I reacted to the supplement last week and this is how I felt, then we know, okay, the next time I take this, this is what it is. Instead of restarting our week every time because we're trying to remember how exactly we reacted to each supplement. So it's really a it's really a slow evolution stage with all this um, when you first get onto it. And then you eventually hit the point, like for me now, I'll have like, it, it looks like a library of supplements all on my wall. And when I wake up that day, it's kind of like a buffet. I know exactly what supplement I need that day based on how I feel. Because one, you have to tune into your body. How do you feel? Two, you have to understand what supplement and how much that supplement is going to cause you to feel that way. But you don't know that until you start experimenting with it, journaling how you feel. And then once you kind of get that really good inner sense with a match to what you actually need, then you kind of... uh I guess you could call body awareness, tuning to your body, whatever you want to say it's called. That is um, a good way to do it. So each day I'll, I'll pick two or three supplements. I won't take 50 in one day, but I'll pick two or three that I think um, will benefit me for that day, whether it's inflammation or more focus or general maintenance or whatever it is. So a little bit different to Brian Johnson having a hundred uh, having a hundred pulls a day. Yeah. So you so then there's there's limits to this game, right? So if you're purely looking to for anti aging and everything, there's a time and place to take that amount of pills, which I did. But what I can see right now is I've been doing lab testing on myself, you know, over so many years. And everything's good, and I know what requires more or requires less. Now, there was a period of time when I was in the protocol where I was maybe not taking that per day, but probably over 100 supplements a day for a good few months, and that made me feel a lot better. But now I don't have to just because all systems in the body are working as they should. So what Brian Johnson's doing is not wrong at all in any way. It's the extreme of what that guy's doing, and all credit to him. It's just his goal is different than the average person or average entrepreneur. For sure. And he's also got the funds available to to do. Exactly. The funds is a big one because it's it's not a cheap game to play. Absolutely not. And I want to ask you later on, let's get back to it, on your like best three supplements for, for like each of those different things in your opinion. And then the best bang for your buck kind of alternatives, if, if we can say that. But let's get back into that later because that's been a lot to digest. Man, super awesome. And thank you so much for all of those different... Uh, Supplements. In terms of nootropics, um, have you have had any experience? I know that mushrooms are the big rave now for for in, they're in a lot of nootropic things. What's your opinion on on any mushroom supplements, or are you not experiencing that yet? Mushrooms, uh, there's a ton of benefit for. I mean, you just see, well, you have like psilocybin magic mushrooms. What they've been doing, at least in the USA, with 
with maps, which is kind of just, you know, it's an agency that helps, that's helped all these people with trauma and in a lot of uh, psychosis use therapy and, and magic mushrooms to really help heal themselves. And depression. Depression, anxiety. I mean, it's transforming lives. And they're showing with that it sparks neurogenesis, creates new brain cells, and it's allowed people to finally heal when they've been doing talk therapy for years. So there's definitely something to that there, and that's the extreme of the mushrooms. Um, but then going back to stuff you can just get from the store, um, mushrooms in terms of, um, there's different kinds of mushrooms. So reishi mushroom is very good for our immune system. We have other mushrooms like cordyceps that are very good for just general energy or resilience and things like this. We have another mushroom for our brain to spark new brain cells called lion's mane. And that's a, that's a really good yeah. one too. Um, and there's a lot of stuff you can do with lion's mane and, and that's one that's popping up a lot more now. Those are kind of the biggest mushrooms um, that I've, I've seen people use, you know, for each kind of circumstance. Um, but I'm all for mushrooms. And so different kinds of mushrooms, like mushrooms and coffee, you have the brand like Four Sigmatic. There's another brand of, um, sorry, of mushrooms. Um, they put in a drink elixir. And these, this is the kind of company, they sit in the USA, I think they go to California and they ship around the world where they, um, they go into like the deep forest and you'll see them picking these mushrooms directly off the trees. And then they'll bring it back to their to their factory. So they show they show that they're the real DNA. I, I wish I remember the name because one of their elixirs tastes like root beer and it's delicious. And you have it every day and it's general maintenance and it brings a lot of well-being to you. But in general, mushrooms are a, a really good thing. Some are obviously poisonous. And you have to be careful. But the, the one from, from the stores, you'll be okay. Hopefully, hopefully they, they checked. Hopefully they checked. <laughs> Exactly. Um, do you mind chatting about sleep optimization and some of your tips for optimizing sleep and how and how we can make our environment better for sleep and the, that kind of thing? Sure. To hear Riley talk about sleep optimization and expert sleeping techniques, you're going to have to tune in again next time on TMGP. Goodbye, Gains Gurus. Thank you for listening and see you on the next episode of TMGP.